0: Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Mary Ann Wolfe. Today's show will be coming from the Dudley Flood Center for Educational Equity and Opportunities Student Voices Series, Increasing Diversity in STEM, hosted by Shanika Simmons, the program manager of our North Carolina Center for After School Programs here at the forum.
1: We're gonna jump right into the first question. And Reagan and Emmaline, this is for you.
2: What are some immediate barriers to becoming interested in STEM? while it's maybe not intentional, um, as children, we are taught at an early age that we have kind of like this static and measurable intellectual capacity. And this can really affect women, specifically Black, Indigenous, and Latin women. um, And it can affect the way that we view our potential. um, And this is then exacerbated by books and media as they portray, you know, what a scientist may look like, which is often, you know, a white male. Um, And this can also affect how teachers might undermine the capabilities of these Said, populations um, and this is not only a barrier in students being interested in stem but also in them being um, pushed to continue pursuing um, their education in stem um, another barrier as kind of talked about earlier was um, race and class and how um, different families can invest more amount of money into like outside programs um, that can be super expensive for people um, and then also going to schools that are underfunded can affect um, children's education in STEM. One of the things I've noticed is that, you know, there, once you're kind of
3: within a STEM program, oftentimes social dynamics um, can discourage people from doing more STEM programs in the future. Um, And those complicated social dynamics issues are often exacerbated by racial diversity or socioeconomic diversity. If you're coming into a program and you haven't had the opportunity historically to already learn how to do things, that will also make it harder. Um, So just kind of all of those things add on top of each other and make everything much more complicated.
1: Do you all feel that you have been encouraged to enroll in the available STEM courses or STEM opportunities?
4: I feel like I have been myself encouraged to enroll, at, especially at a young age in STEM courses or schools, um, because some a bit because my parents wanted me to. And my sister also had a footsteps in those lakes. But you know, along with their support, I've also had a keen interest in STEM because of its appeal and applicability, applicability to real life. Um, I've also had guidance counselors who've encouraged me to follow a STEM caption and diploma, but I do understand that there are many people who aren't as fortunate and are sometimes discouraged to take higher level courses. And that data also contains a race gap where minorities and blacks are typically less likely to take higher level courses, which has compounding effects that last into a student's life.
3: I have also, historically been encouraged to take STEM courses. Um, I am a white woman. So I am somebody underrepresented in STEM, but I'm still white. So I'm kind of at that point where I get encouraged a lot. Sometimes that encouragement can be done kind of wrong, where it can end up infantilizing women or minorities who are interested in STEM. Um, Like, over-enthusiasm about women in tech um, can often come across as making you the other in a way that makes already complicated social dynamics even more difficult to
1: experience. Have you all had teachers of color in your STEM courses? And what has been the impact, if you have, of a teacher of color or lack
2: thereof. Throughout my long years of schooling, I've only had one teacher of color in my STEM courses, and that was my sixth grade science teacher. Um, and to this day, I still remember like the fun projects we had in that class because we really um, fostered a very positive and enriching learning environment in her class. Um, and it's it's important to know that like all students will benefit from having teachers of color, not just the students of color. Um, Throughout the things that I've done with studying like discipline disparities in schools, um, things have found that white teachers may view students as more disruptive and kind of place a hyper surveillance on the students of color, whereas having a teacher of color, um, they are found to have higher opinions on their black students' abilities and kind of having this um, role model in your classroom, like a teacher of color can really um, positively influence student experiences um, coming from myself to when I came into sixth grade into the science class, um, my teacher really encouraged me to keep going. Um, she pushed me to kind of like think outside the box with whatever um, science projects we did. And even though, you know, six years later, I still haven't had a teacher of color. I do value that one year that I had with her. And then also on this topic, um, it's important to know that the isolation that students of color feel in their classrooms, um, teachers of color feel that as well. And this is something that is often overlooked um, when we talk about things like teacher retention rates and how we can like get more um, black teachers in STEM courses. Um, So I think that's a very interesting um, question.
4: Yeah, I also had a pretty similar experience. I have only had one teacher of color as well um, throughout my years of schooling, which is my eighth grade ELA teacher. Having different teachers of people of color provides different perspectives and of how other groups and ethnicities have been impacted and how they have affected our history, culture, ideas, et cetera, of this country and our world. So we probably should have more teachers of color in our STEM courses, as um, only about like 20% of people of teachers are people of color, with seven to nine uh, percent of those being black. So it is better to increase egalitarianism and equality by having that. It also just creates a better learning environment for the students.
1: And speaking on perspectives, do you feel like the STEM courses that you all have taken include diverse perspectives? I really
4: felt like I was missing out on valuable information, and it made me feel like I don't know as much about something as I thought I did because of these kind of holes in my learning. So, yeah, those feelings and thoughts maybe me feel more connected to my coursework uh, when I have more pers- diverse perspectives because, you know, what I what I'm learning about, I can extrapolate that to modern day events. So, you know, that also ties in the next bit of the question, which is that because of that, I can see how this information applies to the real world. It makes it the material that I've learned feel more relevant in my career goals. So, yeah, we definitely need a plurality of experiences to grow as individuals and in- increase equality to consider opinions and experiences of different people of in different groups. So, like, one way I feel like we could do that is just maybe talking about like, uh, people like scientists or engineers or people who uh, achieve breakthroughs for equality, just generally in class, right? Like with Macy Jameson, like the first female Black astronaut. So yeah, talking about those types of things and offering more diverse perspectives can help you feel more connected to your coursework and make the material definitely more relevant to your career, career goals.
1: What do safe spaces in STEM look like? And how do we ensure that girls, minorities, and other underserved groups or populations are encouraged to participate in STEM and gain a sense of
2: belonging? Yeah, so I think um, having a safe space in STEM, for me personally, looks like having you know, an older mentor, someone who looks like me or has shared similar experiences as me, um, someone that you can communicate with, and then also having the added support of peers, family, or friends who also um, share those same experiences um, so you can have a place where you can voice your concerns um, without fear of judgment bullying or facing things like misogyny or sexism Um, because for me um, in my ap physics electricity and magnetism class last year i was one of two girls and then me and my friend asked another girl to switch into the class so that we could have three of us in the class. But then within that group, I was the only black girl. So while we did kind of share common sentiments, um, there was still a point where I felt a little alienated because they didn't understand kind of the extent that the intersectionality was of my identities was differing from theirs. Um, And although this safe space that I had in this class was quite small, um, my teacher supported us and noticed whenever um, a classmate wasn't giving us the time of day. So I feel like having um, these teachers that kind of look out for the students um, is very important in creating these safe spaces. Um, I just think that having that connection is very crucial. One of the best and honestly
3: most simple ways that I've seen people, especially teachers, deal with making a safe space is just acknowledging that the status quo might not be a safe space. So like, I've found that specifically white men, but anyone who isn't kind of a minority in STEM doesn't notice when there's only two girls in your class. Um, So just acknowledging that that is a thing that is happening and bringing that to people's attention where they might not see that. I think that goes a long way. Um, And then making an effort to kind of keep those conversations going.
1: How early, like what age or grade did you feel that you, sorry, did you feel you first met your barriers in reference to STEM? And then what helped you push past them? Was it a teacher, a parent, a friend? And what would you
2: have needed to benefit from STEM sooner. I was also in the AIG program in elementary school. And I did notice that, you know, there were no other black girls in the program. But then again, I also attended a predominantly white elementary school in general. So that was something I was used to. But it was not until um, my eighth grade pre-cal class where I was kind of Hit with it in the face. Um, I was walking to class on the first day of school, and my math teacher stopped me, and she was like, "Can I see your schedule? Um, you're not supposed to be in this class." And before that, before then, it wasn't like um, it didn't it it didn't like approach me that obvious. If that makes sense, like I didn't have an encounter like that until then. And then I had to really sit back and you know examine that interaction. And then when I walked into the class, I kind of realized why she thought I didn't belong in that class Um, and then moving uh, past that um, my parents really helped me get through it and then I also found other teachers who kind of encouraged me and let me know that I did in fact belong in that class and then now I come back to the middle school and visit my teachers and tell them what I'm up to and you know it's okay now but um, different moments like that can really affect um, young girls of color, especially, and it can have you, you know, reevaluating like, was it what I was wearing? Um, Was it the big hoops I was wearing, my ripped jeans, or was it just simply, you know, who I am?
3: I think kind of the first time I really experienced a barrier um, was my freshman year of high school. Uh, I had done STEM before, but my 16-person grade in middle school didn't have a lot of misogyny in it. Um, So my freshman year, I joined an outside of school STEM program and would ask boys on the team's questions and would just get ignored. Um, And so I kind of had to come to this realization that in these environments, I have to prove myself as a girl in a way that no boy on the team ever had to. And once I proved myself, I, at least as a white girl, um, was kind of accepted into the fold, but there was still kind of this intense period at the beginning where I had to demonstrate my ability before I could be part of the social group. Um, So honestly, just really, really liking what I was doing was what pushed me past that. Um, you know, I really enjoy STEM and I think I shouldn't have to just kind of be really, really into something in order to be able to comfortably do it. Um, so that was great for me, but I think we definitely need to work on making it so that everybody can
1: do something regardless of how committed they are to it. After the break, we will continue this discussion with STEM professionals.
5: Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others enriching lives.
1: Welcome back to Education Matters. What are barriers that you have witnessed for students of color, women, and students from lower socioeconomic backgrounds in obtaining access to STEM courses? If we look
6: at the elementary school students, you know, are they having opportunities to get those hands-on experiences, to break things, to be told that it's okay to take something apart and put it back together without penalty? Like you can make that mess and it'll be okay. And then for middle school and high school students, are they um, even having an opportunity to take some of those classes? Pretty much in engineering, Uh, you can't get around um, not having calculus. You just have, you have to have that and you have to feel comfortable and do well. But some students don't even have an opportunity to take calculus or is the teacher a good teacher or or a capable teacher? And then um, I really think the students did such an excellent job of touching on those challenges that you face as you get older. And those are those social emotional challenges. So, um, okay, if you stick it out and you get into college and you choose that STEM major, Do your professors and peers who don't look like you see you as competent and capable? Are you accepted in study groups? Um, Do your your black and and female friends who are not in STEM, do they understand that you can't go out because you're gonna be in the basement working on problem sets? And how does that isolation impact you and, and help you decide whether or not you even stick with it? And then um, I could probably take over the whole panel with all the challenges of being a professional woman in STEM, and what happened when I got married, and when I got pregnant, and the you know how much um, you're ostracized for some of that. And so those barriers are there at every level. And uh, like the the young people noted, then you have to say in addition to just doing a good job, how much extra work am I doing to prove that I even belong here? And so all of those barriers represent opportunities for women and minorities to drop out of the field altogether.
5: Sometimes we hear this, the pipeline metaphor for particularly for students of color when it comes to STEM. And I mean, there's there, there's scholarship now about criticizing that, that metaphor. And I want to uh, criticize it too, because I think Telling students of color that they have to fit into a box, this narrow box or this narrow pipeline, that is, and you can't, you have to put all of your identity, all of who you are, into this pipeline, is uh, can turn a lot of students off, and I think it does. It also is kind of assumes that uh, a a pathway to STEM, and some of our students addressed it, and, and, and Gee, I'm sure you could talk about it too. Uh, is, is a linear pathway and it is not. And so we need to be more inclusive and, and more accepting of different pathways to STEM professions. Uh, and, and, and I think our, our terminology of pipeline is just too, really way too restrictive. We wanna say that regardless of when someone comes to STEM that they're gonna be welcome, that we're gonna support them and we're gonna help them get, the, get what they need to be successful.
0: When we think about students coming into kindergarten um, at different, with different background experiences, we know that we're going to have students who are not all going to come in and um, go through their kindergarten assessments and be quote unquote on grade level. Even though they're five or six, we're making these judgments about students. And right then and there, our students are put into groups and essentially their pathway, you know, is already on its way. Um, And unfortunately, what I saw was far too often, STEM was reserved for the students above grade level to be enrichment in the K-5 education space. Um, And so while some students had remediation in reading or math, other students got to go do fun STEM activities and they got to do Lego Club and they got to do all of these different options that were setting them up to pursue STEM and who did that disadvantage but it disadvantages our students who were not on grade level which oftentimes tracked with our students who are from low socioeconomic statuses or from um, i was in a rural school from rural backgrounds from english language learners etc um and so i'm passionate about integrating stem into our core instruction or tier one instruction into our literacy blocks, into our social studies blocks, into our science and math um, spaces so that each child has access, not only if they are coming to school with the background knowledge that they need in order to be um, on grade level or
4: above. Uh, A lot of uh, Hispanic Latino students aren't aware of the resources that are available to them to help them out with gaining access to funding. Uh, for their projects and then being able to continue their education in college, which is where I focus at the most, um, is helping people who have gone through the STEM process not just realize that, hey, college is possible but college is also affordable for Latino families um, and most of the Latino community doesn't really have a a connection with um, understanding that there are funding available for them and that's where I try to come in and try to help them out with understanding that college is something that you could really aim for and that it's not some big distance away.
7: I mean, there are some practical things we can do as educators, as leaders in the field to address some of these barriers. Um, one is that we have control of things like the schedule. Um, we, we have control of um, creating opportunities for professional development, for creating uh, units and, and Uh, lessons that integrate different subject areas and and different um, opportunities. The AIG program and AIG identification, academically, intellectually gifted by nature is created to sort and select, but we have the opportunity to create different ways to identify giftedness. Non-teacher pleasing um, um, behaviors, for example, show talents and gifts that our scholars have and so, how do we create structures within our organization? We all know that education was built, was not b- built for us. Um, and so, how do we create structures so that we create those pathways for all without sorting and selecting our students? And so, uh, I think when we talk about barriers, we create many of those only because we are following the, the roadmap of traditional education and we don't have to. And so, if cost is a barrier, remove the cost. If, Transportation is the barrier. Remove the barrier of transportation. If we are asking students to pick and choose what they want to do and they can only select a few, we need to create a a schedule and a structure in which they don't have to choose football over robotics or volleyball over, over playing chess. And so, again, because we have the opportunity to create an open pathways, we should really reevaluate how we create structures that we are in charge of. And do just that.
1: What are ways that educators and after school program providers can create um, culturally relevant STEM content for students? Why does engineering happen anyway? It's
6: because a group of people somewhere need to solve a problem. And that problem is culturally relevant. That problem um, has political Implications, that that problem is constrained by geography. And when we look at all of those elements and look at all of the places and points in time where people have developed engineering to solve problems, it makes it relevant for the students because they have ideas today. Look at how much EdTech is gonna come out of the fact that we've all had to learn remotely for 18 months ideas that may not have been relevant otherwise, and that have shifted the conversation in a direction where it wasn't already going. And so we have to be able to say to the kids, um, or to anybody, anywhere, okay, what problem exists in your community? And how can we use what we know about science and math to solve that? Because that is the definition of engineering.
0: If we think about STEM, instead of being the end you know, desire of creating future scientists and engineers, but if we frame it in the earlier grades, as these are providing on ways to learning that students might not access curriculum otherwise. So an example would be if we have an English language learner who it we're all trying to move in on a highway in the same direction of academic growth and proficiency. But that English language learner is not able to access the curriculum because maybe it does not relate to that child. Maybe there's a language barrier for that child, or maybe he or she has always been told they're not a good learner and understands, you know, the look on their teacher's faces when they try and they don't succeed in the class. Well, if we provide a STEM opportunity, that can be an on-ramp to that learning That's moving that child forward. And
5: Reagan, the student on the student panel talked about how she felt connected to social justice uh, movements and social justice challenges in her community. That's how she got hooked to STEM. And so I think those things are so, so important as we think about making our lessons, making our, um, our teaching relevant. Uh, and particularly STEM teaching relevant to what these students are, are going through. And what, one other point I, I wanna make is that rigor, when I think about my, the STEM courses that I've had, um, rigor meant drill and kill. Rigor meant doing, you know, 10 page, 100 like math problems a night. And that we have to really reconceptualize what rigor is. That is not rigor, rigor is think critical thinking and analysis. It's rigorous connecting students to real world issues and real world problems, right? It doesn't mean a a student could do one problem in in STEM and it could be rigorous. I think when when we define rigor in those narrow ways, we can turn off the very students that we want to welcome in. Uh, And so that's important when we think about culturally relevant um, pedagogy.
1: Thank you for taking time with us. That's all for today.
2: And we will see you next week.